Rise and Climb with Anna as I share stories of hope and healing through hardship to help you overcome the obstacles you face today. Whether you are a teen, single adult, parenting, or just simply learn best through stories, this podcast will keep you inspired to answer to the call to rise and climb to any occasion life throws at you. Enjoy. All right, everyone. I think you are in for a real treat today with this interview with Petri from Romania. He is a great friend of many people that I know. This is the first time that I really got to know him, but him and his wife are missionaries over in Romania. He is Romanian. She is American, and they have a center over there that's been used for years to help people in need in the village, but currently have turned it into a center to take in Ukrainian refugees. So he sets up the story of how God prepared them for that and prepared them for this moment. But I also just want to set this up that this interview is to understand what it is like to take in refugees, what it is like to be a refugee in a sudden traumatic situation. This is not to be anti-Russian people. It's to understand that the word of God is true, and my favorite Bible verse is Galatians 5.13. We are called to live a life of freedom, but do not use your freedom to serve your selfish nature. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And it's very obvious to see Putin's actions as serving his selfish nature and what he wants and what he thinks is best at the cost of innocent people's lives. But that this isn't a matter where it's just one country is evil and one country is completely innocent. There can be sin in the hearts of everyone. And that is why I am continuously praying for evil to be exposed and for truth to be revealed and for biblical justice to be served. And ultimately that we might not see justice this side of heaven, but we do live for an eternal purpose and understanding that what seems very confusing in wartime situations, God does have a way of being the final judge. And ultimately, that is why I do believe so strongly in the death, life, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the idea that no matter what we have done, that we can always turn to God and ask for forgiveness and he will be faithful in forgiving us if we are willing to turn from our ways and that we can still pray for leaders. We can still pray for Putin. We can still pray for people who may be confused right now and we can still pray and love them through prayer and love them with an attitude of not being calloused over to the fact that they are still humans and it really takes understanding of why we do certain things and not being quick to judge until we understand situations. So I just want to kind of set this uh, this interview up in that sense that we don't go into a lot of the details of the war. I do ask Petri what he thinks in his understanding to help us understand it through his lens, but knowing it's just through one person's lens. And the really best thing we can do is get curious about the situation and continue to pray and pray in the spirit for people because God ultimately knows and is praying for us even when we don't know how to pray. So I hope you are as blessed by this interview as I was by conducting it. Also, there is a link in the show notes for supporting their organization because 
if you pick up what I picked up, they are doing so much for these people and they are stewarding the finances very well and they're very humble and not beseeching this these donations but if this is a way to get the word to be able to have them help people unhindered that would just be a huge blessing so like I said I hope you enjoy and with no further ado here is the interview with Petri Groza I have Petri on the interview today, I um, so for all of the Rise and Climb podcast listeners, Petri is from Romania, currently lives in Romania, and he is going to introduce himself, a little background, and what he currently does in Romania right now. Hi, yes, my name is Petri Groza, or how exactly my name would be said by a Romanian would be Petri, with a R. No, in Romania, we roll our R's. Yeah. So Petri Groza, yeah, I'm um, uh, the leader of uh, a ministry called Regen Foundation. And the name actually comes, Regen name c- comes from the our vision, which is to see people regenerated. So um, uh, just briefly to share a little bit about my background. Um, I've been in ministry basically all, all of my life since I was a young kid. Uh, God put this passion in my heart. I started first working with uh, an American mission, actually, uh, that was building chapels in Romania. Uh, and I worked with them for about eight years. That's where I sort of perfected my English, too. Okay. Um, yes, yes. So that's that's how I, many people ask me, how do, you, how do I know to speak English so well? We do in Romania. A lot of the people in Romania, actually, they do speak English, the younger generation. Yep. Because we learn in school. Uh, in oh, school, okay. almost everyone does uh, learns English. Yep. So I've, di- I've, I've done about eight years of, of English in school, but then uh, still you need to practice it. Mm-hmm. So uh, ministry, that's how I really started with ministry. Um, I went with this mission uh, called the Romanian Chapel Project. And I uh, we were building churches and then we were doing evangelism services. They helped us actually to put a roof on our church in town. Okay. Um, and since then, God really called me to a lot of uh, a lot of parts of ministry. I would say um, I'm I'm involved at uh, a church in my church. I uh, lead worship, I preach, and I teach in in, in our church. But the uh, the main ministry that I lead is is the Region Foundation, and at the Region Foundation, we we have uh, a few projects and programs that we run. Um, mainly, uh, we have homo clubs, the program that we call homo clubs, and we go in four locations each week. So we have a staff, we have people that work and they go and do this, uh, every day. So we help children with their, their homework, mm-hmm. but actually we, that's how we started. But then we yeah. ended up not helping them with the homework, but actually helping them with, uh, where they were at school and stuff. So. Yeah. And then we have the Horizon of Hope Center, and that's where actually right now we have um, the people from Ukraine. We were able to host people from Ukraine. Please tell me how much you want me to share yeah. about this. I don't want to take too much of your time. No, but. that's great. And then before people of Ukraine were occupying it, what is the Horizon of Hope Center used for? Yes, yes. So the Horizon of Hope Center, we call it a transition center. Because the initial vision was that that center would be used for uh, orphans that would age out of the orphanage. Uh, Mm -hmm. So so a a person that turned 18 would come out of the orphanage from the placement center and 
our center was a, a place for them, basically. Uh, however, for the until we finished the center, because it took us quite a long time, we started the project in 2006, and then we built this huge, uh, beautiful building. Um, it, the the vision had to be adjusted a little bit, just because uh, there were more opportunities for the people coming out of the center. Um, not not all of them would be out on the streets. Let's call it, let's say that mm -hmm. you know. So then um, we started to use the center. We trained a few young adults. Mm -hmm. uh, they were there for a couple of months. Some some of them over one year. Uh, we had director in the center that would run uh, certain um, lessons with them, uh, teaching them different courses, uh, some practical courses. We did like photography. We did yeah. uh, discipleship courses. Um, and then during the pandemic, actually, during the pandemic, we also used it as a place for families. It was interesting that uh, we just received a lot of requests for families that didn't have a place. They were either left out without a place to live um, so they, they came to our center and during the pandemic, uh, our center was basically filled with, uh, with families. Um, so that's, that's what it was. That's how we, it, it almost it sounds, before. yeah, it almost sounds like that was, you know, a precursor in setting you up for being able to do this and, and, uh, then taking these families now from Ukraine. Yes, correct. It was, it was actually good. I think God had this planned a little bit. Yeah. Because we did learn a lot working yep. with families, and um, it's still different now. Uh, to be honest, uh, we've never really uh, encountered any refugees before in Romania. Um, yeah. So it, it is we're learning. We're okay. we're just in a couple of days now since they came to our center, mm -hmm. and uh, we're still kind of processing learning. Actually, my wife she just uh, today she went through a course uh, on how to work with refugees. Sure. So um, I think I think the needs the needs are are different than just a, a regular family that doesn't have a place to stay. I would say, you know. And I would imagine that's because the it was so sudden, a traumatic situation to have them move so abruptly. Is that kind of what you're speaking to of just the skills and receiving them that way? Yeah, I, I think that the the hardest or the toughest challenge for us is to really um, address or care for their emotional needs. Mm -hmm. I think that's, that's the, the big thing that we see is that uh, they come so overwhelmed. I mean, just now I came, um, and I apologize that that's why I was a little bit late, but that's why I came. I came right now from the center because we uh, were waiting for this wonderful lady that has been on the road for, I think, like, I don't know, three, four days, probably mm -hmm. coming straight from Ukraine. And she was in the eastern part of Ukraine. I don't even know exactly which town because I didn't want to talk. We, we didn't want to talk to her tonight. She was so tired and mm -hmm. she has a three, three year old daughter. Wow. Um, and she had to leave her husband at the border with Romania. Her husband brought her and just I was on Skype with her as she was there at the border trying to give her instructions and. Uh, how to connect her with some of my friends there at the border and and she arrived finally but she was on on the road for six hours now just in romania from the border to us and the uh, prior we, the other day she was another six hours on the road and then before that she was <laughs> a, a lot on the road another five hours i think so uh, just uh i think seeing that um heaviness i think in in their lives and and even the people that we have they're 
families from all kinds of um, parts of life. Or we have like doctors, we have a ballerina right now from the opera from Odessa and her husband that are at our center. Um, we have a teacher, we have a pastor. So they're yeah. just from all kinds of social bank backgrounds, I would say. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think I think uh, the the biggest challenge for us, I think, is how to really care for them as far as their emotional um, challenges. You know, I think in, yeah. in during this time. And just to back up, um, you you had mentioned your wife, and yes. um, so I, you know, we in because we will go go back into that. I don't want to over skirt the, the emotional challenges and, and kind of the mm -hmm. stories. We will get into that. But to give people that picture, you're, you're married, you have kids, but your wife is actually American. Correct. Yes. Uh, so I'm married um, and I have three, three girls. Mm -hmm. So my wife's name is Kyle. And then my oldest is Lydia. Uh, she's 16. Uh, then Miriam, she's 14. And then I have Sophia. She's the youngest and she's 12 right now so uh yeah she's an american she came uh, to romania way back in 2002 i think or one maybe yeah. um she came here she came for a, at a camp here okay and uh she then kind of felt that god is calling her back here uh, after she stayed for just a short trip yeah. that she felt called back to romania uh to help and with with the church ministry and and to uh, teach english and use it as an outreach and she, when she came, basically she stayed with the family and she started, wanted to start the lessons, but, um, she, we couldn't find, or the church couldn't find a translator. So then they kept asking around who can translate for her, who can help her and all that. <laughs> but then my dad, he, he's the pastor of the church. Uh, yeah. he just, uh, looked at me and I was like, Hey, Petri, man, we can't find anyone to, to translate for this girl. <laughs> and he was like, can't you just help her maybe for a while and until maybe we can find someone. So then I became her translator. And and we have a saying in Romanian. I don't know if you guys have it in the States. I don't know. And I was her translator and I translated her, which in it's like a, a, a word play or play words. Uh, yep, yep, a pun. Yeah. Okay. And, and yeah. which means that I translated her to be on my side, you know, like to be mine. Yep. yep. I, like made her, I made her. Yeah, you want her over to you. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, that is funny. Yeah, you took one for the team there, volunteering for that project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I didn't know that. That's a really neat story. And then she's been there ever since, huh? Yep, eighteen years almost. We yeah. are approaching, um, or maybe we passed. I don't know. I'm really bad with dates, yeah. but she's my wife. She's uh, she's the one that keeps track of that. Yep. But yeah, she's here. She she learned the language. She she speaks Romanian, and uh, our children are in school here, um, okay. Romanian schools. And um, yeah, we minister together. We are involved in many things. Uh, Kyle, she's involved in um, in. We reach out to the orphanage in town. Mm -hmm. We have a girls' orphanage, a placement center called Casa Maria, which is uh, Maria's house, and uh, we have over thirty girls there in, in the orphanage. Okay. And uh, Kyle kind of, she connected with them and she went there, she taught some English first. And now we actually, as a foundation, we made uh, a partnership with, uh, with uh, the, the placement center, which is a state, state-owned pla placement center, you know. Okay. I want to ask more and understand more about that, but I want to respect your time. And no problem. 
um because the the orphanages i think you know that that interests a lot of people because we don't have those over here in the u.s um mm-hmm. but for sake of talking about the situ the current situation i'm going to go on understand what's truly going on i know the ukraine and russia have a long history i know that ukraine Ukrainians have loved ones in Russia and Russians have loved ones in Ukrainians. So it is a very immersed culture in that sense. Um, so I know it's a very complicated situation for the, the issues going on for years, but you're picking up from the Ukrainians visiting. Can you help people who don't live over in that area understand from your understanding what's going on? Yes. Um, I, uh, I mean, I had, even before the war started, you know, I had my own opinions and my own views, I would say. But now I think, yeah, being with uh, some some of the people from Ukraine and talking and reading more, um, yeah, it's it's still hard to really see. But I will give you just my perspective and how, how mm-hmm. I, I, what I gathered from the people that we are working with. Um, Ukrainians, I think, are... Um, proud to be Ukrainians, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, now, they say that there is a Ukrainian split into two parts, which is the eastern part from Kiev yep. to to east and then from Kiev to west to Poland. Uh, and then the left side or the west side is more Catholic, the other one is more Orthodox. So uh, sort of like uh, they say that even Putin, he just wants to really conquer that eastern part. You know, I heard some some analysts saying, but the the truth is that Ukrainians, they want to have a country. They want their identity as Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, there are, there are some, uh, especially in the Eastern part that probably are pro-Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if, um, if you talk to them, for example, at our center right now, we have a family and in that family, like there's the, there are the grandparents uh, and the parents and then children. Mm-hmm. And the grandparents, one of them, she's a Russian, Russian-Russian lady, married yeah. an Ukrainian, you know. Mm-hmm. And she, the Russian lady, she said that she's ashamed of what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. That She said that that's not, you know, what the Russian people want. Mm-hmm. So so I think, I think this is probably the truth, you know, um, that, you know, it's more like the leadership and it's more Putin and his, his gang that uh, I think that uh, desire power and you know, mm-hmm. to conquer and uh, they believe that that's their land from the USSR and all that so yep. so I think that's that's probably the 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 truth that Ukrainians they don't really want um, to become Russia part of Russia um, they they want to have their own identity okay. they are more uh, towards what? pro-Europe I think than than Russia so, mm-hmm. so they'll be in a nutshell Yes, yes. And um, that is my understanding, too, that there are differences between Eastern and Western Ukraine. And just like here in the U.S., I mean, we've got Texas who would love to be on their own. You know, we have, Mm -hmm. you know, it's probably similar to California, where Northern California is very different than Southern California as well. So, you know, I think there there is that understanding and some of the other things I've picked up on is that understanding the history helps understand why Putin might be doing what he's doing. It doesn't make it so that you agree 
or sympathize with his decisions, but you at least when you dive into the history can understand his actions while not mm-hmm. condoning it. That's also um, some of my understanding that. But I, I think that the, the, the biggest problem with all of this, what's happening, I was talking tonight to one of the ladies, uh, I believe her name is Oksana, if I remember, she came one of the last ones. So I didn't really get to interact with her because she doesn't speak very well English. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I was talking to her because her husband is back, you know, Odessa fighting. So she, he's in the army. And she came here with two kids mm-hmm. by herself. And I was asking her tonight uh, when I was there just 30 minutes ago. I said, hey, how's your husband? And yeah. she was like, oh, he's good. I, I said, you talk to him? And she said, yeah, I talk to him every every day. I talk to him. Yeah. And she said that she was like, when I, but when I talked to him, he said, it's, mm, it's hard. She said, you know, and, um, so that's, that's the, the challenging and the tough, mm-hmm. the tough part, you know, that there are people suffering, you know, yeah. they're refugees. They have to run away. They have to leave their homes. They, some of them might lose their homes and yeah, yeah, that's, that's heartbreaking. I think. And, and, you know, life as they know it you know, it is over in the sense of who knows what loved ones, you know, will mm-hmm. not make it through this and yeah. And in homes and stuff. And that's also, yeah. Um, it, it's like you said that your role is really going to be shepherding these overwhelming emotions in the grief in real time. Mm-hmm. There's no quick fix to this, you know, even if yeah. it end tomorrow, I don't think. It would. So would you be able to, so I really appreciated some of the stories so far of just, you know, that sort of thing. So how did, can you kind of walk us back to first getting the call? I mean, when you first heard that Russia was invading Ukraine, was it like, oh, we have a center here, there will be refugees? Or how did that unfold where the Horizon of Hope Center became a safe place for them? Yeah, um, I think just God's providence, you know, we actually got ready before the war started. Uh, we we sort of anticipated that. Um, we have we have some partners in the States. So I'm, I work also with adoptions. Um, so I'm, I represent Lifeline uh, Children's Services, which is from Alabama in the States. And so these guys are partners, you know, they also have people in, in Ukraine, Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a foundation there and they also work with uh, children with autism and with adoptions and they were like hey uh petri do you think that your center could be used for um in case of war yep and can some of the people that we work with in ukraine can they come to your center oh wow. and and so then i mean we were just even even the people from Ukraine, they were like, well, no, it's just talk. And mm-hmm. they were not, they, they didn't even think that this is going to start really, you know. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they thought that it's going to be just Lugansk and Donetsk, you know, the, the two regions there attacked or taken over. Mm-hmm. But um, so then we sort of started like planning a little bit, thinking, mm-hmm. okay, what are we going to do? Uh, are we ready? You know, do we have everything in place? And our center was ready. I mean, we were ready to to receive and actually as i said it was empty we didn't we only had one family living at the center a family of seven five kids and two adults um but the rest of the rooms they were ready um so yeah we were prepared uh, the the center was ready for for them to come okay well them before or did how did you get connected with them so in, in person, definitely, I didn't know any of them. I just knew uh, one, two people, basically, out of the 27 that are there, or 26, 27, okay. 28, I think, now. 
So I only two, knew two of them. I met them um, in some um, Zooms that we had with yeah. our partners with Life, Lifeline. Mm -hmm. um, um, just basically, I didn't even talk to them really on Zoom. I just saw them there. I knew about them. Mm -hmm. But the rest, uh, none of them. Yeah, I have never met them before. Sure. I'll share maybe just a few to quick yeah. because it's it is it is pretty interesting, you know how uh, how God connected them with us. So uh, the first family that arrived, um, I, I had an I have another friend in Ukraine, uh, a lady Olya, and she came to our center in Romania when we did the conference for youth. Okay. So she was invited because I also organized some conferences called History Makers with for youth, and so she was here invited. Um, mm -hmm. So she was in Ukraine and um, right away when the war started, I wrote to her and I just asked her, hey, Olya, how are you doing? You're good. She was in Lviv, which is more west side. Okay. of. Uh, so she wasn't very affected. But I told her, I said, uh, Olya, if you know anyone that needs shelter, that want to come to Romania, our center is open. Mm -hmm. So then after just after a few days after the war started, she sends me a message and says, hey, Petri, Uh, my brother's friend from Odessa, he just left for Romania. They, they, they're bombing right there in Odessa. And they got in the car, got everything they needed in one hour, and they, they're on their way. And um, I, I said, sure, send them over. I gave, them, I gave her my number, and I said, have him just contact me, and if they need anything, I can uh, get in touch with them and help them get here. So basically, they got in touch with me over WhatsApp, and uh, it was Katya and Victor and their four-year-old son. And uh, they, it took them a long time to cross the borders uh, from Ukraine to Moldova and then from Moldova to Romania. Mm -hmm. And it was already probably like uh, 10.30 at night when they crossed over into Romania. So then I quickly, before they crossed, I knew that they're not. it's going to be too late for them to drive all the way to us, which we are in the center of Romania. So I called some friends in Yash, which is okay. eastern part. Mm -hmm. And I called some friends quick to see if I can find them a place to stay. Mm -hmm. So I did. I found the place, actually, the YWAM Center um, mm -hmm. took them in for the night. So they slept there, actually, for two nights because they were super tired, they said. Mm -hmm. So they wanted a little bit to just get some strength. Mm -hmm. And then they drove to us and uh, they arrived at our place. And it's it's interesting because these two guys, um, they told us their story. They They were um, working at the Odessa Opera or the theater in Odessa. Mm -hmm. And uh, both of them are ballet dancers. Or mm -hmm. um, so, and he, Victor, I guess, he showed me that he was part of like some shows on TV, like Dancing wow. with the Stars in, you know, in Ukraine and stuff. So, yeah. So he, he said, like Katya, her, uh, his uh, wife, she was telling us that Victor is famous in Ukraine. So, but here in Romania, nobody knows him. Yep. But anyway, uh, we that that's quite a story, you know. That they yeah. they also they told us that they had to run uh, quick, so they had they had two cats at home, uh -huh. and just two days before they came, they had to leave. Uh, they moved in their new apartment. They they just bought, oh, wow. and they said that they bought uh, with uh, their savings. You know, they they saved for so many years, and and oh. they bought their apartment, and now they had to leave and. And they left their two cats there. They put food all over the floor. They said, and they filled the bathtub with water for them. And um, and so she's still trying even now to get her cats here. But she had a neighbor, I guess, that broke the door, and uh, they managed to to feed them now and give them water in, in the apartment. But yeah. uh, also their story is interesting because it continues here 
when they arrived here, they right away after a few days they were asking us, okay, what can we do? Do you know? Mm-hmm. Can we get a job here in Romania uh, yeah. in in theater and opera and and um, and so we gave them some options. We gave them some ideas. They started writing to some uh, theaters here in Romania, yeah. a few in a few cities, bigger cities, and they got they got a few offers. Okay. And I think they will decide to stay here in Sibiu, oh. which is an hour away from us. Yeah. On the 19th of March, we're probably going to go to their first show. Wow. Uh, so, so that, yeah, I, we were just helping her uh, yesterday to uh, make an order because they didn't, they couldn't bring all their gear, not gear, clothes for ballet. Ballet so we, stuff, yeah. yeah. So we ordered them online and hopefully they'll come See? in time for the 19th. Yep. Yeah. So, so just so, meeting some tangible, simple needs. Yeah. So, so this is one story, you know, of uh, some people that were like, you know, famous and they had a school, ballet school too, in, in Odessa, they said, we were teaching little kids to, to do ballet, you know, Wow. Um, but now they have to start all over again. And actually Victor, uh, right after he came a couple of days, his, um, his group, uh, I guess from Odessa, they were called in France, in Paris area, to do a, a tour. Mm-hmm. Just, I guess, just to raise funds probably too for Ukraine and stuff. Yeah. So they, he's actually right now in, in Paris and Katya's okay. here with the, with the boy, with her boy. Yeah, that's right, because they have kids. Are, uh, one boy? One, one boy, okay. yeah, Mark. Yeah. So what is that like at the Ukrainian-Romanian border and the border? You know, when people arrive, do they know if they'll make it over for sure? What, what is that looking like now? I know you can't speak to every situation, but... Well, no, it's it's pretty much a general situation there, I would say. Or there is a general... I mean, there are a lot of... There are people that come and they have a contact, uh, like this friend of ours, Zhenia, that uh, just arrived tonight. Uh, she didn't have anyone in, in Romania, but through a contact from the States, actually. I think her sister's in the States. And she, I guess, wrote on Facebook, or I don't know, anyone yeah. knows someone in Romania? Mm-hmm. And uh, a pastor, a friend of mine from Florida, he he told her, hey, uh, I know someone in Romania, I know Petri and Kyle. So then they connected us. But many of the people that arrive, actually, from Ukraine, they don't have any contacts. So what happens is uh, the, the weather is still cold here. Even Jenya, she stayed in line last night for more than two hours with this three-year-old daughter. Uh-huh. Um, and then they, they, you stay outside, you know, um, you stay outside and, and it's cold. And then there are some tents that are government installed and some NGOs installed, but uh, still it's, it, it's cold. Last night I received some photos from another group that crossed and I received a phone call from some Ukrainian friends saying that those guys didn't have a place to go. So then um, I called quick some, some friends and we were trying to get them a place to, to, to sleep for the night. And uh, finally, someone, an NGO, I guess, from there uh, found a place for them. So the situation, I think, in, at most of the borders, now there are some borders, for example, northwest of Romania, uh-huh. where it's not so busy. Okay. One family, they came from Ky- Kiev uh, to us. Uh, they said that there were just two cars in front of them. So they okay. just went through. But uh, northeast and uh, southeast of Romania, there are a few borders that are packed. You wait at this border where Eugenia came last night. 
um, if she would have crossed by car, the wait time would have been about six to eight hours to cross. So she would have had to wait. Uh, so then what happened? There's the option where if someone doesn't want to cross by car, the car can come in front of the line and just drop the people and then turn around and go back. Mm-hmm. So that's what her husband did. She, uh, he came and dropped her off with her child, and probably with a bag, a small bag, actually, because we I saw the bag tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they went in line. She got on Skype, showed me the line. I said, yeah, please. I the, My friends told me it's about an hour wait, but it was more than an hour. It was double. It was two hours. And and she said she was cold and people were cold. And um, so it's it's quite, a, quite an experience, I think, mm-hmm. for many, many people. Especially with those kids. I mean, I think that now that I have three kids, I think just me and my husband, we could figure anything out. It's those kids. It's traveling with the kids. I mean, in good situations, it's hard to travel with kids. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, um, I feel like the stories with kids just just get me in a lot of empathy for those. And go ahead. I know I... I can tell you also just briefly the story of another family that came. He's a pastor in Kiev and uh, he has three kids, like little kids. And they came with also with, with their grandparents. Um, so they left Kiev and it took them three days from Kiev to the border, to our, the border with Romania, because he said it was packed. The, can the I ask was you? Jammed. Okay. So that's just, it just basically almost like a big traffic jam all throughout Ukraine. Is well, that, yeah, because he yeah. said from Kiev, especially getting out of Kiev, it took them a day because everyone's coming, wow. everyone was coming out with their cars. So then the traffic just gets stuck. Um, and uh, and then even further on, he said and, further on from Kiev. And there's, I mean, in the meantime, this was a major center. For, this is where most of the targeted attacks were, correct? So, I mean, you've got bombs going up behind you, Russian tanks behind you, and everybody's just looking back and looking forward right i mean that's the the situation well yeah my my friend said that they woke up at five in the morning because of a a very loud noise Mm -hmm. um so they realized that it's the bombing started Mm -hmm. um and they got up they started packing and they packed their cars in like two hours or so and them and their, their parents got in their cars and started driving, but they still hit the the traffic uh, the traffic on the on the road. And they said that they got to a place one night. They slept in the car, all of them with three kids, and their youngest, uh, Lucas, he's ten months old. Oh. And uh, yeah, and they slept in the car for one night. Second night, uh, they were close to a town, and they looked online for a Christian church or, or a church of believers, and uh, they they someone took them in. And so they slept uh, in in the house, and then uh, they they came over the the border and arrived at our place like late at night. And now, I mean, it's cold, like you said. And my guess is gas is crazy expensive, so you you probably have that tension of you know, can are people able to use their credit cards and stuff, or do they have to carry cash? I mean. What's what's that situation like as another possible? Yeah, um, in um, for the Ukrainians that come to Romania right now, yeah, it is a little bit hard because um, our government in Romania made it possible for them to exchange some of their money, which is grivna, um, yeah. and they they can exchange but a very small amount and only once. 
So they, they can exchange about $220 uh, from their grivna to euros or to lei, our currency. Okay. Uh, but that's it. You, you can only exchange that for right now once and this amount maximum. Um, my guess so, is because Romania is like, we can't use Ukrainian money. It's, it's well, so yeah. more of a donation from the Romanian government. Sort of, it's a way of helping them. Yeah, it's yeah. A, sort of helping them because uh, their currency already depreciated half of the value, yeah. you know, yep. quick. So, but, and also there, some of them can use their cards, like some from the people that we have, some of them still can use their cards, yeah. but some others they can't. So, uh, Yep. They they say that their banks could just stop working. Yep. And so what we did, we helped some of them to open up bank accounts in Romania. Okay. Um, so we did that. We went to the banks and helped them to start a bank account in Romania. Now we're kind of sharing other methods that they could use transfer funds. Yep. Like today, I was telling them about PayPal and I was telling them about Revolut. Okay. Um, these apps, you know, they're really cool and that I use here quite a lot uh, yeah. for transferring money, you know? Yep. Yeah. But gas, gas prices, I don't know if you heard, but to, uh, yesterday in Romania was like a weird day because I don't know how, what happened, but the, the someone put it on media somehow yep. that the price of gas will go up or fuel, you know, fuel at, at the yep. gas stations. And uh, there was this crazy... Is it called frenzy? Or I think when people all go to buy yep. something. So yep. they we had like huge lines, like miles and miles of cars lined up at the gas stations yesterday. Yep. Uh, now the price did go up. Uh, right now in Romania, the price is about $7 a gallon. Wow. Um, so, um, so, and they said that it could even go higher than that. But so then people just went to buy before he went higher than, higher than that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know what's happening because even I heard just these days that also we will not be allowed to get more than a thousand lei, which is probably about 250, $220, probably uh, about from an ATM in a day. So, I mean, we can get, but there's a limit. Yeah. People so, are probably withdrawing money more. I think. Yeah. During uncertain times, that's what mm-hmm. happens. So, just a lot of uncertainty. So how are you guys managing this? Do you, you know, how are you and Kyle doing? I mean, I'm sure your girls have their own experience with this. So how are, do you guys feel supported enough? Um, what, what are some things you are doing to help fill your cup so that you can be of service to people? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I don't know if we're doing enough to fill our cups, but at this stage, I think we're trying to fill other other cups at the moment. Uh, my wife was just asking me on the on the way to the center tonight. You know, she was like, "Hey, don't you think maybe we have to try to be more with the girls?" And because for the past few days, I've been I've charged my phone three times in a day. I think just because I've been on the phone so much, trying to help people that either are coming, you know, from Ukraine or people that are in Romania and they need help or actually connecting people in Romania. Uh, we had people that would receive refugees and they would need mattresses or they would need food. And we are setting up actually tomorrow, we're training our first uh, transport into Ukraine, uh, just with a van, a small a minivan packed with food and other products that people from Odessa need. Mm-hmm. So tomorrow, uh, uh, some partners of ours are crossing into Ukraine. 
and then the van is coming to to get the the stuff uh, from this van um yeah we we have to be careful uh, we do have people that you know write to us and encourage us and which that's really really helpful i think but we do have to be careful yeah we keep hoping that things will uh, will slow down a little bit more so uh, yeah i i was i was around the house a lot but not with necessarily with my girls i would say yeah because uh, i was in a cast i had a cast until today today yeah. i took it off um so i was here but I was just busy working and stuff. So yep, didn't necessarily want to put anything out for donation wise. Um, mm-hmm. So is that still stand, or is what what what's the best way for people to support you guys? Um, yes, I mean prayer first of all. I would say that's that's the most important thing um, in ministry. From our experience, you know, the devil attacks a lot of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, family is attacked first, I think. Um, my relationship with my wife uh, is attacked, you know, during our marriage, you know, we have been under attack. Um, so uh, just prayer for that, uh, for our stability as a family, as we try to minister to others. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, I mean, so we cherish and appreciate any other type of support, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've been so blessed, you know, and people have responded so, so well. Um, so, I mean, we have in the States, we have, uh, an NGO that we started. Okay. So people, if they want to donate, they usually donate through that. Um, okay. and, and we have, uh, also a link on our website where people can donate or, or on our website, we explain, uh, the two methods, which is either send a check to mm-hmm. our NGO in the States or, um, donate straight on our website where there's a fee that, our card processor takes and stuff, but, but it's still, the money gets to, to us, you know, so yep. this, these will be the two ways. Okay. All right. Um, is now, is it okay if I would put that link or do you just want to keep that? Um, I mean, you could put it maybe if you, if you want, or yeah. I just think people might ask, um, sure. so if there, if there is a way and, I mean, to put this in perspective, I think from my understanding too, I mean, before all this started, just heating your place because of gas prices was astronomical mm-hmm, mm-hmm. before all of this started. So, well, yeah, before this started, we, the um, energy crisis hit Romania last year, probably in November. November was the first month when the prices went like way high. Mm-hmm. Um, the, th- the government's, try to regulate the price a little bit and give some discounts. But I don't know. We, we just didn't feel that those discounts, at least at our center. Yeah. <laughs> it was, I think more, it was more towards the, the people, the private people know that I think those discounts were offered. Okay. Not necessarily for, for, uh, yeah. NGOs like, like ours. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we had, we had like huge, we had $2,000 bill for December mm-hmm. and, uh, we'll see, we'll see now what will happen. Cause it's the, the center is full and all rooms in the center are heated and it's still, we had minus 15 degrees Celsius here just yesterday, last night, which is a little bit, a little bit unusual for March, but um, it it will warm up, I think next week, hopefully. Um, So, but yeah, Yeah. we, we trust in the Lord. We, we go by faith. I mean, we always went by faith Mm -hmm. and we don't really like to ask, you know, people to donate or whatever, but we just want to let, God to put it on their hearts, you know, and they will contact us and tell us, Hey, do you need help? And yeah. So, yeah. 
So my guess though, is if somebody donates between just housing the people at your center, supporting you guys as a family, having supplies to send to Ukraine, I mean, my guess is it would be stewarded very well in a very tangible way people can help here. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, we did the budget a little bit to figure out like how much would be to host family um, in our center for a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, it is very hard due to the, all the changes in prices. Yep. And uh, as I said, fuel is changing. Prices for food is they went way high. Mm-hmm. So we don't know. It could be that the price will drop in a month or so, and then the budget won't be yep. accurate. But we we calculated somewhere around uh, about a thousand dollar a month for a family. Okay. Uh, would be like our expenses now because of the utilities, which are very high. Yep. And uh, everything else went went up, you know. So that would be that would be the ministry expenses and stuff. So, but okay. as far as like our support, we personally we don't take anything from ministry accounts. Okay. Uh, we 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 are we raise our own support, you know, for okay. our fam- for our family and stuff. So. Yep. so uh, we we pray for our support. Actually, yeah. we don't really raise our support because. Yeah. But uh, but everything that comes goes towards ministry, uh, towards the people that we serve. So. Okay, that's that's good to know. I know a lot of people are just they just don't know how to help and and who to help, and so it, it just seems like there's a lot of tangible ways to help these families get on their feet, and more will be coming. Um, and you'll know the people in the area, and even I mean, just think the orphanages and. There's a there's a lot of needs out there. So, um, is mm-hmm. what's kind of one last thing if people that it doesn't necessarily have to be the U.S. but people outside of the Europe realm, what's kind of one thing that you wish that they would know or what comes to mind? Um, so, just the last thing that they would want to know, I think, about the situation. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I think they should know that uh, people that come and run away from a war zone have a lot of needs. I think I don't know. That's that's my my what, what I feel right now. Uh, needs that maybe sometimes they need professional help or um, <clears throat> I I don't I don't know how to react necessarily to uh, a mom that or a wife that left her husband just at the border and she waited two lines, two hours in line with a three-year-old. Mm-hmm. And then she gets into uh, a foreign place where she doesn't know the language and everything. Um, I think that we we can't even imagine, I think, mm-hmm. what this means. Mm-hmm. I, I'm here, I see all of this, but um, we we think that we can imagine, but we, we don't. So I think that's something that uh, the reality of war, it's something that brings a lot of issues and problems in the lives of people. Well, and then you think about it. Yes, Romania is safe now, but I know that that's a part of the fears as well. You know, the the, the surrounding countries is, you know, what would it be like? It, it hits very close to home of what it would be like to actually war to come to their doorsteps because your neighbors and... So um, I mean that that yeah that is a a question and a little bit of a fear here uh, amongst Romanians too. Um, mm-hmm. There there is the discussion and there is the talk even on TVs and everything. 
what if what if Putin yep. decides to to cross? And actually tonight I was talking to one of the guys from Ukraine about that. He was like, "Well, what are we going to do um, if if that happens?" You know, and I said, "Well, we'll just trust the Lord. We'll see. We'll find another center in another country <laughs> some, yep. somewhere, or or we'll stay and fight." You know, yep. Ukrainians and Romanians together. Yep. <laughs> yeah. See. We'll see. God will provide. Exactly, and that's just where. Gosh, the Bible, you know, you think his word is so calming in, in those times and talk, telling us to not be anxious and how much more that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think we have to, I think we have to, to trust the Lord in all of this. And, and this is something that I, it's hard to, to say that, say it, you know, especially to the people that have been going through, through really hard times, you know. But I think that is that should be our anchor to just trust in the Lord with all our heart, with our soul, with our mind, because in moments like this, uh, that's what keeps us uh, away from panicking and mm-hmm. getting depressed. And and I I've I've been really encouraged by the people at the center tonight. Man, they were just you know together there and talking, and I don't know what they were talking about. They were just sharing with each other, and the kids were playing and. A lady from our town uh, came to bring them some coloring books and sheets, and she brought some coloring pencils. And um, they were visiting with them, and um, yeah, it, it's it's yeah. nice to to see them that they have a community away from home. Yeah, and 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 they're blessed because our center it is it's it's a very nice center. I mean, as far as standards and and conditions, they they have really good conditions. And they were saying that sort of like uh, men we see on TV or on news, you know, that people are sleeping on mattresses like a hundred in a, mm-hmm. in a sports hall or somewhere. But here they have really good conditions, like beds, good beds and bathrooms and everything. So they're blessed. And uh, just one last question that came, um, came to mind is, so do you, do a lot of Ukrainians know English like the Romanians do, or is, is that the language barrier? <clears throat> Um, yeah, I mean, from our group, for example, um, I would say from the 26 people, probably three, four, three, three know well English, mm-hmm. uh, maybe two more, some. Yep. So, so not a lot, I would say, you know, okay. uh, not a lot. Maybe I, I my take, but I'm, I might be wrong, but my take is that I think Romanians, <laughs> no, <coughs> more more of them know uh, uh, English. You no, know, I think that they. And I, I said one last question, but then uh, just how I know Russia is different than Russians, and so w- what is the sentiment of the Ukrainians? You know, how can we support <coughs> Russians at this time? Who you know, are, like you said, are, are ashamed. Is there any way or, you know, and when we're talking about the situation and attitude towards <clears throat> Russians, you know, any wisdom on that? Um, I mean, I, we, I, we said in Romania that we would receive rough Russian refugees if they come, mm-hmm. because I, I think, as I said, it's, it's not necessarily the choice of the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure there are some people that agree with Putin, probably from the Russians. Mm-hmm. But most uh, most of the of the Russians, I, I think that they they don't want this. They don't want this war. Mm-hmm. So 
I think we should uh, be aware of that, especially as, as God's children. Yep. We should love our neighbor, mm-hmm. love God first, and then love our neighbor, as, as the Bible says, mm-hmm. um, no matter who that neighbor is, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so I think that's how, how we should approach it. You know, we shouldn't, we should look at, as, as, at Russians as God's creation. Mm-hmm. Of course, we have to condemn their sin, <laughs> their yeah. sin and their attitude. <coughs> which comes from their leadership. Yep. But we have to love. We have to love them. Yes. Love love does cover a multitude of sin. So Correct. Yeah. And you know, love can look different at different times. Um it doesn't always mean the warm and fuzzy feelings, but but it, Correct, yeah. an attitude of seeing them as God's image bearers. <coughs> yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciate your time. It's late. What is it? Like 2 a.m.? 11. No, 11. No, 11. Okay. 11. Okay. Not too bad. Not too bad. Yes. I'm usually a late sleeper, so I'm, I'm okay. Okay. I usually don't go to bed till 12, you know, till midnight. So. Okay. Well, I don't let me hold you up anymore. We thank you for the time. I'm, I will put the link to your organization if people want to learn more about what you do. I know my sister, Molly, um, just loved it there at your side. Yeah, so. we love Molly though. We yeah. love Molly. Yeah, she's she's a wonderful lady. She she sure is. She is a mother to all. So I know that she's really burdened by this situation too. So um, yeah, we we really we thank you for your time. We appreciate it. We will be praying. And if there's any updates and you know, things and about. Um, but first and foremost, we just want to support you guys through prayer. And if anybody feels led, they can donate. But um, we just thank you for this time and getting this, these stories out. So thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Petri, right? Petri. Yeah. Petri. yeah. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Roll those R's. Yes. <laughs> I know a little bit from Spanish. So that is enough to do damage. So, all right. Well, have a great night. And just if you think of it, you know, you can tell the people at the center that there's a lot of us thinking and praying for them and and really want to understand the situation, how we can support. So our hearts are with them. Yes, sure. And maybe, I don't know, maybe if you want to have someone on your podcast from them, I can talk to them and they can join you maybe. I would love that. Some speak English, so they could probably, they would love this too. If you, I'm going to try to get this up right away and share it. And so if they can, if they want to, please connect. I sure. Think. Yeah, I, I, I can ask them and I'm sure, I'm sure they would love to share their story. All right. Thank you so much, Petri. Good night. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please give Rise and Climb a five-star review or share it with someone you think who would equally enjoy it. If you also feel so led, you can support this podcast with either a one-time donation or monthly subscription to help pay for sound and editing equipment that helps produce more kingdom-driven and relevant-to-the-times content. God bless.